everyone to the new episode of penpodcast.com. I'm your host, Matt Harms, founder of Pen for Hire, where we offer premier ghostwriting and author coaching services. Also the creators of the Pen Podcast, where we sit with authors, writers, writing industry professionals, subject matter experts, and all around interesting people. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Ritu Chopra. How are you today, Ritu? I am doing fine, Matt. How are you? I am amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Where are you joining us from? I am in central New Jersey. Very nice. Weather's finally starting to get nice up here, right? Yes, it is. Finally, we're seeing spring. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> I'm going to try to pretend I don't know quite as much about you as I do, because you and I have spoken several times um, for different topics. So for the sake of our audience, could you please give everyone a little background on yourself? Absolutely. So my background had been professionally in um, technology, as, uh, data privacy and um, IT compliance area for a couple of decades or so. Um, somewhere along the ride, um, even though I learned the best of the best methodologies uh, in Fortune 500 that business world has to offer, somehow my heart was someplace else. So I did my self-publish in 2001, second uh, edition of the same book, 2005, then 2009 was the second title. So it just had been a journey. And I tell you that I tried to run away from IT a few times uh, for whatever reasons. And every time I try, it pulled me deeper into it. So I said, okay, so the both had to be in parallel. However, full-time and other obligations, uh, family obligations and everything else was moving fine, but writing had been part of my desire and uh, aspiration as well as an objective for bigger goals. So I am currently writing my next, chap next book on women leadership in 21st century. Uh, Raising and Creating Leaders of Tomorrow. This book has an, a pretty holistic approach. Uh, as uh, we saw last, uh, see, what I'm focusing on, how the structure of the whole business landscape um, and uh, household <laughs> structures have changed in the last couple of decades. From the turn of the century, the technologies have taken over our lives. Uh, there's so much change in every aspect. At the same time, we are facing a lot of environmental challenges, humanitarian challenges, whatnot. And the younger generation that entering workforce has their unique needs and challenges. So it's just creating a pretty interesting mix at the moment. And um, in last couple of years, due to pandemic, there had been, we hear all the time, great resignation. Either it was a resignation or um, people found themselves out of traditional work. That was, uh, you earn a paycheck every bi-weekly, weekly, you go to work and employer-based uh, uh, work. Now, a lot of people are employed, self-employed. They're finding how to balance out the life and have an income uh, if they cannot be in a normal, uh, pre-pandemic pre normal workplace. So my book also um, 
kind of, I changed the strategic leadership to more of a holistic approach, more of a global approach. I do say that regardless of how people think at this time, I think that the world has become even more closer, more flatter, that a young graduate from United States may uh, work for a company in Brazil and Portugal or some other part of the world. And it's very possible and being here. So we are kind of um, um, in, in a space where um, we are going through, we don't have the answers yet, all the answers yet, but we just, word is discovering itself. People are discovering themselves. People are trying to find balance. Okay, how do I take care of my children um, at home and uh, you know not pay huge uh, cost of uh, childcare? At the same time, I can work. So it may not be a traditional work, but they would be working. And I was speaking to an HR leader recently and something during our conversation came up that people might be working two or three jobs. They, not that it's a full-time jobs, it's just that I am sort of independent, self-employed. I can work two days for this type of work and I do have some other talents or something else where I may have some other benefit, non-tangible benefit. So you said uh, a few things there that uh, I'll go back to some of my broader questions in a minute, but since we're right on that topic, um, I think what you're saying really proves the point that since the pandemic, people are realizing they can be bound more by what their output is and not by the amount of hours they put in in a physical location. That is quite possible. And I have also heard recently, as I am speaking to a lot of experts and individuals for research of my book, and that is quite, there has been a, a um, another initiative uh, where parents are offering to babysit someone else's child and then they do in return for other things. So the part of the week they are swapping duties. So in their known network, so the other can go. So I, I, that's why I say people are finding themselves. They're finding ways to make it work. And it could be uh, regionally, people might come up with different solutions. And, you know, as I'm a history buff and I love cultures and I learn to understand about cultures and I see that, that people, uh, given where they live, given their culture, given their environment and resources and tools available to them, they come up with innovative answers. They come up with solutions. So I love human races so resilient in that way, you know. Um, so we need to we need to uh, promote those kinds of positive ideas among all the negativity we have around us. Yes, I, I think everyone is too quick to jump to the negative or the perceived negative intentions of people from wanting to work from home, whereas I've encountered most people who are working from home are actually more productive and probably logging more hours than they would have been in an office because of all of the time they've saved commuting, getting lunch, the additional expenses. Yes. 
Yes. And for me, I have as a consultant, I have worked from home um, for many years. I would say more than eight, 10 years I have worked remote. And some of the companies, they, uh, because of my niche area and IT uh, background, um, I didn't need to be um, on site. I worked with companies, uh, Midwest and Northeast, et cetera. And as long as the output is there, and I also had a couple of times it came, it was explained to me uh, when I asked, do I have to be on location sometime during my project? Uh, the answer was no. That was the part of the business continuity strategy to have uh, experts and their teams spread apart. So I think in IT, it was pretty common. Um, but other professions have also discovered that that the work can be done remotely. Um, it's it's um, going to evolve a little bit more. Hybrid is being talked about uh, a lot. Hybrid is in place at the moment. And it's okay for some people, they need to be in person. Um, that motivation, mentoring, and uh, access to resources or just, just being away from your four walls once in a while. And, you know, so I know that there are a lot of organizations redesigning their hybrid workplace, common areas instead of uh, cubicles or rooms. Uh, so there's a lot is happening and uh, we will in next uh, couple of years, we'll hear more. But I think I think uh, uh, the uh, obvious signs that we see a lot of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, uh, self-employed people have born out of the pandemic era, a couple of years, and the so leadership skills are not just you know as one of my questions and when I talk to people is the uh, leadership uh, is not attached to a corporate title, right? So we are leaders at any age, at any time when the situation demands. These are set of qualities, set of traits. And now a lot of people who have, for the need of time, uh, have become self-employed, they would need the same skills. We call, quote unquote, the leadership skills. They would need that in order to be all in all for their self-employed endeavors, whatever they choose to. Um, the, the team environment of a corporate structure, a matrix organization would not be available to them all the time. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com created by Pen for Hire. Thanks to technology, authors are now able to reach their readers in new ways. Letting readers know who you really are why you wrote the book, and that you welcome their questions and comments goes a long way to building a fan base. Outside of social media, podcasts, radio, television, newspaper, and magazine interviews reach millions of people every day. How can you get featured in more of these media channels? Working with a public relations specialist will open more doors than you ever thought possible. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation today. Now back to the interview.
And now, Ritu, what was was the pandemic your actual influence for deciding to write the third book, or was there something else behind it? Uh, actually, the book was before that. I wanted to, but just because of my demanding uh, engagements in IT didn't allow me as much time. I did research off and on. The, uh, the main messaging changed during to the uh, pandemic last couple of years when I observed as I am just uh, explaining about the the um, so many entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, or self-employed people have come out of this situation. Um, that's where my change uh, to the original plan, instead of a strategic set of leadership qualities and tools and methodologies, I looked at it and it's more of a holistic approach, more of a global approach, and it's for any generation of women, baby boomers, from grandmothers to the Gen Xs and Zs, and even the youngest generation that's entering workforce. So there is going to be a set of qualities that we need. We need collaboration. Um, we need to bring um, uh, there's so much being talked about into me, me too movement and equal pay and all that is, is, uh, the word has changed. Women have, um, inherited the younger women now have inherited a platform that has been created by previous generations, right? So in the mid of 20th century, when women started entering workforce, these were secretarials, teachers, uh, phone operators types of jobs. And, you know, so now the younger generation can come and come to the stage, the platform that has been created and spread their wings and take off. So they are breaking glass ceilings, right? So every generation has to be acknowledged, including men, they have to be acknowledged, right? Um, we are also in a very interesting time. The... Um, Races and genders are also part, have become part of the everyday conversation. So it has to be a collaborative word uh, to succeed for everyone's success, not just women finding uh, their success or breaking glass ceiling. We men and women, we are part of society. We make society. We have to work together. So that's what I'm looking in into my book. I love it. And now the perspective of the book is it's not just you writing about this, correct? You're, if I remember correctly, you're drawing in other inputs. Yes, I am, Matt. I have spoken to men and women around the world from their cultural, their professional backgrounds and all different profession and industries. So I, I, uh, in addition to my research and thesis and others uh, work, this uh, personal perspective of people uh, that they open up, they share um, their uh, true uh, experiences as well as their opinions, because that matters uh, in order to deepen that um, uh, the, the topic that I am going to be writing about I could research, I could go through white papers, I could have my own ideas based on my experiences 20 plus years in 
Fortune 500. But word is flat. We need to see from a collaborative standpoint in the age of technology, in the age of artificial intelligence, in the age of apps, um, games, and all of that, the information is instant. And it comes instant, it dies instant. For uh, someone to make sense of what's needed to be, be um, have that kind of strength to be a leader, not only for themselves. Leaders cannot be a leader for themselves. They have to have followers to be a leader um, or support others to be leaders. Um, other areas that I have um, met, as you asked, you know, to deepen my perspective, my um, emphasis in this book is also on the environmental humanitarian challenges, uh, water shortage, food, sh uh, you know, shortage of food in the next 20, 30 years or so. There's a lot more we need to prepare as communities, right? So the leadership at individual level, which I'm talking about, not to depend on governments and policies and things when things are out of hand. We take that, the you know, we involve every generation. Um, I personally find that, uh, and I'm sure that <laughs> most of the people out there would agree, that sometimes grandmothers have more uh, open conversation with grandchildren than mother or father would have their own children, right? So I find that grandmothers have opportunity to talk about these challenges that when their children, their grandchildren who might be just, you know, adolescents into next 20, 30 years, what they need to, because um, it's an opportunity right now for us. The technology is in our palms of our hands. We can find information instantly. It's just the education and awareness of it. I, I love it. And in your interviews with your your contributors to the book, how are, are you encountering any of this challenge with technology? Because I know you're, you're probably speaking with some people who are older generationally, right? Like you're just talking about grandparents um, mm -hmm. and how are you overcoming that? So people who have this wealth of knowledge are able to bring it out to the younger generations. I think uh, uh, for older generation to answer your question, uh, the older generation, I do not have the conversation on technology, but I do have how they see uh, when younger generation is so tuned to, they're born into technology, they're so tuned into technology. Sometimes I get good answers, sometimes as simple as that parents have to set some discipline for using devices. So it's, it's more of my own, uh, uh, you know, um, expression and research and and my own ideas on the topic however with the younger generations it's pretty interesting that i see from different cultures i have spoken to uh, uh, if a family where mother was a stay-home mom how their children view it um, when uh, in um, other cultures and ages where uh, mother was working but she had to come home and do everything else 
and it was not acknowledged work. And then the paid work and unpaid work. So if we look at women have been part of the economy ever since there's a written history uh, of uh, agriculture or unpaid work, right? So they have been contributors. And when, if we just put it, the, the woman's contribution into two categories, paid work and unpaid work, in paid work were the jobs. Uh, in the, in the mid-20th mid century, women started showing up on more and more workplaces in a paid work. They still had the same duties of unpaid work at home, right? Fast forward now in 2022, uh, where uh, families that with the young children, um, they're born into technologies. Women are used to and have utilized the technical platforms available to them. And the mindsets and the cross-generational uh, perception of things and a family and lifestyle and jobs have changed drastically within the last couple of decades. So that's where I start with in last couple of decades, how it has changed, because that's where the technology took over. Uh, you could f uh, have anything delivered at home without going anywhere. Right? Yeah. It's changing our lives. It's changing our lives. And these changes have been just so gradual, and now we see it all around us. So, so it brings me to pretty interesting uh, um, concepts and ideas of in the next 20, 30 years, every generation now has a role to play. And then I see the leadership not you know, attached to a title, a job title, but leadership is everyone's responsibility and duty to, to not only make themselves successful, but their peers and people around them because without others, we cannot be leaders. It's a collaborative community effort. It's, it's bringing families, bringing communities, bringing your teams, your colleagues, uh, having those, those kinds of uh, um, inspirational ideas uh, to find solution to the problems we have at hand today and then what we will face tomorrow. I love that. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com produced by Pen for Hire. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail. While many writers are capable of writing entire novels without ever planning or getting writer's block, most need some kind of structure. Taking the raw thoughts out of your head and organizing before or during the writing process can drastically improve quality and efficiency. Visit our website, at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation on our author coaching services today. And now back to the interview. From your research so far, what would you would you be able to identify or share one of the biggest challenges with helping people realize that leadership goes beyond just what's in it for you? I am still working on a lot of ideas. So as we speak, uh, I cannot 
share the data or something, but uh, in generalization, that is not a secret. The environmental challenges, uh, uh, future pandemics. Um, I was watching Bill Gates the other day um, uh, for his new book, the, uh, talking about the, the future pandemics could be much lethal than we have seen. Um, there's going to be shortage of food, shortage of drinking water in many parts of the world. Uh, there's going to be more, uh, not only humanitarian challenges that they become part of the all environmental food. <laughs> so how do we prepare for that? Do we just wait for governments to do something about it? No, everyone, we start taking care of our planet today. We start making, making small steps, save the trees, plant more trees. There are forest fires. Okay, fire already took place at, you know, the forest is burned. We plant trees now for future generations. Uh, you know, reusable products and just the small steps, the everyday steps. And just just taking out that toxicity out of the the uh, anger and everything gets put out behind uh, the social media platforms that doesn't help anyone. Yeah, I think I'm I'm so happy you said. Are we going to sit back and rely on the government? Hopefully, the one thing people have taken away from the last couple of years is that the government is not necessarily any more equipped to handle things than we are and sometimes are just reacting on a larger scale. Whereas if we were prepared as a whole, we wouldn't be in that situation to begin with. Yes, and we have seen that. Maybe we never anticipated a pandemic such as COVID-19. Um, and if there was any kind of um, you know, viral infections or something or diseases, they were regional, not at a global level. So that was an eye opener. And if we just kind of say, oh, okay, now it's done. We got boosted, we got shots and uh, we can just go by as we live our lives. I don't think so. I think we need to do more as individuals, as informed uh, citizens and consumers, we have some responsibility to take to to be mindful of our own consumptions our own health and or you know uh, there's a lot of um uh preservatives in food today okay how do if i take care of my health myself so it's just making small decisions for yourself and to contribute into the economy contribute to the success of the organization or your people who are self-employed, uh, even if you're self-employed, either you're selling a product or a service to someone else. So you need customers, clients. You would need to rely upon that qualities to, to do more work uh, that you don't have a team in comparison to the matrix organization where there were so many departments, schools, methodologies, everything was there. You go learn your job role and you are part of that uh, structure. So people who have exited that kind of matrix structure, they would still need to uh, develop those leadership qualities, men or women. So that's why even though it's a, a book for women leadership, but I think women, um, 
and men have been conditioned in certain ways. As I say that uh, the platform that has been created by baby boomers generations and others that younger generation can come and spread, they also need to look at how do I go back to uh, someone for guidance, set their ego aside, right? You can, you can find so much on Google search, right? But you need human beings that a collaborative environment, the community environment. In collaboration, we all succeed. I love so that. That, uh, that also includes men. So a lot of time in my work with my nonprofit, you know, and um, uh, Gervais Violence and uh, et cetera. So I always look at that there are solutions. There are some facts that we cannot deny, but at the same time, we need to find better ways to deal with situation. We cannot depend on external sources when things go out of hand uh, to put something in place. And are you, are you finding any theme um, between, because I know you're you're speaking with people all over the world. Is there a common theme that people, or I don't want you to share any data that you haven't um, fully compiled yet, but overall, is, is there an overarching sentiment of fear, hope? I think the, the younger generation, I find it, they are more, um, they're more, uh, optimistic about uh, having uh, collaboration and uh, less of a gender bias. Um, and, uh, but the generation of baby boomers or people who are still in the senior level of management, um, they share their struggles and how life had changed from their mother's generation to their generation. And one in common is that uh, things that they change for them, the opportunity avail available to, uh, to them from their mother's generation, but um, things that they haven't changed quite at all. Uh, so that's, that's pretty interesting that I see around the world <laughs> that people I have talked to. And even men have acknowledged that. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of men. And, um, you know, so they acknowledge those things too. But at the same time, everyone sort of agrees to that the youngest generation or Gen XYZs, they're in comparison to baby boomers, uh, the, the loyalty to employers, you know, they saw the grandfather or someone work 40 years for the same company. Those the kind of things are gone. Those are things of the past. Uh, Gig-based economy we're talking about. Every day you will see something about great resignation. Um, and I heard that, you know, when employers had let go in thousands um, during the, at the onset of the epidemic, now these employers are finding challenges to bring people back and train new people for something, the trained workforce. So, you know, there's a cause and effect of everything, right? I'm not saying it was a right thing to do or wrong thing to do, but the facts were for whatever reason, economic reasons or for whatever reasons or the safety of the employees, for whatever reason, 
if that took place, now they are facing a new dilemma, right? And in that situation, they are finding new ways to deal with situation. And I think is it had been eye-opener. Um, a lot of HR people around the world, um, I, I have not spoken to in every continent uh, uh, with HR folks, but I am monitoring. I am looking in into researches and uh, policies being revised and in place. Something has come up open that is extremely, uh, come up in, in open that is extremely um, fascinating to see that mental health of employees has become a common topic among employers and HR people to discuss the mental well-being of their employees. Uh, two years before, nobody even want to hear that word, right? If HR is talking about being open to talk about mental well-being and providing benefits, that doesn't mean people are being open to talk about it. Right. So, so it's going to take some more time to evolve uh, responses. The good thing is the mental health is not a taboo anymore that it used to be. And we as human, as species, we are very resilient people, but we do have real life problems. Not everyone in a nuclear family where they didn't have a close family circles or celebrations and things uh, that they had um, opportunities to interact with all age groups of family members, right? So for, for those people to handle their problems on their own, they may not have the coping skills. They may need it. They may not find a safe space to talk about it or whatever the taboos that are associated with it. So that I get a lot from people. Um, and uh, of course, when things go wrong, when people don't have answers, a uh, lot of other health issues, other issues, uh, abuse issues come up. So even though we're talking about leadership, a lot of unrelated conversations go on and on sometimes, you know. So it, it just gives me uh, how it's, I'm fascinated, Matt. I'm fascinated to see people that I have talked to in different cultures, how they manage to overcome the challenges of whatever they are facing. So what works here in America may not work other places. What works in other places may not work here, but we can learn from each other. Absolutely. <clears throat> this has been inspiring. I can't wait to read the entire book to find out some more of the insights that you've gleaned from your research. Um, when do you anticipate having it finished? I think sometime uh, by fall, I would have more uh, concrete dates. We're hoping sometime before the end of the year. That's beautiful. Um, in the meantime, um, where can people find out more about you, your work, your existing books? Um, uh, Amazon, um, they can find, they can reach to my website from Amazon and also LinkedIn. Um, at, if someone wants to connect with me and if someone has some ideas to share uh, who are listening there and they feel that they would uh, love to have a chat with me, would appreciate uh, 
reach out to me via LinkedIn. That is amazing. Um, Ritu, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here today, to speak about your book, to share some of the uh, painstaking research that you've been compiling to make this really a contribution, not just to female leaders, but it sounds like to all leaders, to all humanity, um, and get people on the right track of taking care of themselves, their planet, and then their company instead of their company themselves and then the planet. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much. It has been my pleasure. For everyone listening, please support Ritu and her work. Um, head over to Amazon, pick up one of her first two books. Keep an eye out for the third book. We'll update you here on Penn Podcast when we know it's getting launched. So you can pick that one up as well. Um, any questions for me directly, or if you would like me to get you in touch with Ritu, reach out to Matt at PennForHireNYC.com. And we'll catch you all in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in as always.